by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Come since I heard pages in the, in the church here. Yeah, I don't, we need to get some app that makes our cell phone sound like it's got pages turning. Yeah, sound effect. All right, it says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. See, there was something the way we used to be that ain't the way we are anymore because it was corrupted by lust and deception. Lust is a thing of the flesh, you know, it's your flesh wanting. But now, uh-uh, we're not going to be deceived anymore. Because instead, we can let the Spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes. See, that was what was wrong. We didn't have the Spirit of God before. We were dead in our sins and trespasses, like I said. There was only darkness. But when Jesus came in, he gave us that light. He gave us a, a Spirit that is alive unto him. And so now we can choose to walk in the spirit and no more in the flesh. The deception of lust and the things that the old flesh wanted to do get us in trouble all the time. The King James says it like this. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You want it to be new. You don't want to walk in the old. If you wanted to stay with the old, you wouldn't have chosen the new. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, we've been talking about Stinking thinking, and that goes on in your mind. And then you know, your brain is just the, the natural director of your, your, your mind, but your mind is in your spirit, in the spirit of your mind. That's where you do your thinking. That's where you do your choosing. See, we've been, for some time, if, if you hadn't got heard all the series, we've been talking in some detail about how we can choose what we think. We're not the, at the mercy of this mind. Or whatever, we can choose who we listen to, we can choose what we watch, what, what we say, and we can choose what thoughts we let in. The devil will be throwing thoughts in, but we can put up that shield of faith and quench those fiery darts, right? Now, I've been telling Papa stories, and my Papa was, you know, uh, my grandfather, he was a full-blooded Italian, although I have no Italian blood, but that's a long story. He was a full-blooded Italian, lived down in Shaw, Mississippi, I've been telling stories for four weeks in a row, so I figured I'd close the series with another Paul story. I can remember when I was just a kid, and they would have, they would have card night over my Paul's house, and uh, all my aunts and uncles would come, and I loved it. On Fridays and Saturday nights, they would come over and play cards, and I loved it because they brought their children, which were my cousins, and we'd go out and play in the grain bins and, and all over the equipment, and and tear up stuff at Papa's house in the, in the yard he wouldn't find until later. But Papa, he was quite the character, as you've come to realize. And somewhere during the night, I don't know if there was drinking going, was there drinking, a little bit of drinking going on? I don't know. I don't, don't say nothing, Mom. 
Don't confirm or deny, but there may have been a little drink. Some of them may have been taking a little sip. I don't know. I don't know what was going on, but it seemed like towards the end of the night, somebody would always get a little rowdy. Somebody would get mad at somebody else for not playing a card, uh, their, their cards like they should have. And, you know, when there's quarters hitting the table, they, they're ready to fight over them quarters. But all it took, you could almost tell when the tension would get to where Papa would finally have enough. And <laughs> when Papa had enough, it wasn't no guessing to it anymore. Papa would jump up, that's it, hit the road! And he would yell out, hit the road! And they would be like, what, what? That, you know you, hit the road, all y'all hit the road. And his wife, Mary, she, my grandmother, she would be like, you right, Nello. They say, you hit the road too, Mary. <laughs> when he lost his head, it didn't matter. Hey, I was just a kid, but I knew to keep quiet at that point because I couldn't hit the road. I didn't have a car or nothing. But he'd tell me to hit the road. But you'd have thought they would have learned, but is that not true? I can only have you confirm or deny certain aspects of the story. But he was known for saying, hit the road. And he meant it. And it didn't matter who it was. When he had enough, he had enough. It's my house. You hit the road. But the funny thing is, is this same Papa was like an usher at the Catholic church on Sunday morning. For like 50 years or something, they had statues that his, grand, his parent, grandparents had bought for the church. And his name was up on the stained glass windows. And he was an usher at the church. He told them, hit the road on Saturday night, I guess, so they could go home and get some sleep for church on Sunday. He was welcoming them in on Sunday morning. I'm thinking, what a contradiction. But that is an example of a Christian that still has stinking thinking, that's still living in the former man, in the old way, the lust of the flesh, and doing what his flesh dictates, and has not moved over into the things of the Spirit, where there's love and peace and joy and things like that. 1 Corinthians 2.16. Turn left for a moment. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who could know that? I mean, I wish, we, I wish we could know the Lord's thoughts. Wouldn't that be awesome? Who knows enough to teach him? But, but we understand these things? Wait a minute. We can know the Lord's thoughts? That would be awesome. But we can't understand these things. For we have the mind of Christ. <laughs> Where do we find this mind of Christ? Man, if we can find this mind of Christ, we'll have it all figured out. We'll pro man, we'll probably know everything we need to know. It's probably chock full of truth. We know God's not a man that he should lie. Man, if we just had the mind of Christ, where do we find it? Anybody got any suggestions where we look? How are we transformed by the renewing of our mind? Reading the what? Well, what do we change our minds to? I mean, if we just knew where to find absolute truth, I, I think we'd be set. 
There'd be no more, no more wars in the world. No more killing. No more bombs. No more racism. No more hatred. No more division. If we could just find the mind of Christ, if we just knew what the truth was, I don't... Why is it so hard for us to find? Why didn't God give us something? <laughs> well, maybe this book here will give us some insight. I don't know. Let's turn to James 1.21. Maybe this is a, like a, a map that will show us the mind of Christ. Maybe it will point us to where we can go and find out the truth. James 1.22, it says, don't just listen to the God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself but you walk away and forget what you look like. And see, the Word of God is a mirror that you look into and you see yourself. This is the mind of Christ. This is the game plan of God. This is the instruction manual for every man, woman, and child ever born on the face of the earth. This is the mirror in which we're supposed to look into and say, oh, that's what I look like. See, the devil made me look like this over here, but that's the old man. And this is what I look like now. Okay, so I ain't got there yet. But I'm not going to be foolish and just listen and not obey. After a period of obeying, I will begin to change the way I look. The way I operate, the way I act here on the earth. I would be a fool to just walk away. Verse 25 says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, whoo, and do what it says, and don't just forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. The mind of Christ was pinned in this love letter written to you. I can't hear from God. <laughs> Golly, you got 66 books of a letter you ain't even read yet. You can't hear from God. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Jesus said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Without the word, we wouldn't even know what stinking thinking is. I mean, what you're going to compare it to? If we don't have if we have nothing to compare our thoughts to to what they're supposed to be, then how do we know they're even stinking? Other than we can smell them. You ever, some of your thoughts are so bad you can smell it. <laughs> the word of God is a plumb line for which every thought that you think must be measured. I don't care what the world says about this shady truth, this moving line, this living moral 
what they call it? My mind's blank. Well, that's good. You've got a preacher with a blank mind. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember what the word calls it anymore, you know. But, huh? Oh, you're talking about. I'm so used to being heckled, I just answered the crowd. Now I hear some. <laughs> they say there's no absolute truth. That it's just what you feel like. Whatever is your truth. You can have your truth, I can have my truth. And that's why you got lawyers. <laughs> right? That's why you got lawyers, and that's why you got people suing everybody, because your truth is infringing on my truth. You know you wouldn't need a lawyer if everybody knew the truth. In fact, it says in here, why do you go to law against one another, believers? Can you not find somebody in the church that can give you the truth? You're embarrassing me here, church, going to law with one another. Does the truth not reveal itself? Can't you just, don't you have anybody that can get in the word for you? You know, even Jesus found himself in the word of God. You know, he didn't skip any steps. We talked about that, what, Sunday? He was born as a baby. He had to learn to read and write and all that. He had to learn to lay his eyes on the scripture and make sense of it and find himself and what his place was in this world. He had to learn who he was. When he was just 12 years old, they said they found him in the temple talking with the rabbis. And what is he doing? Going through the scriptures. They were like amazed at his understanding. Why? Because he took it serious. He did what the word said. He wanted to see who he is. He looked in the mirror and says, I got to be this. My father has called me to come and to be this. No different than he called you to come and be this. But Jesus took it serious. When his mom said, where have you been, Jesus? He said, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? And how different would this world be if some of us would get about our father's business? Stop looking in the Word and forgetting what manner of man we're supposed to be. Not doing it. He lived to fulfill what the Word said about him. He, there was over 300 and something prophecies about how he'd be born and how he'd die and how he'd be resurrected and all those things. He fulfilled them all. The odds makers say it, there's no way it didn't happen. They said you could fill Texas with quarters to four foot deep. It'd be like the chance of you walking in and grabbing one and that the probability of that, that one coin that you're looking for would be the probability that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. He is obviously the Messiah. He lived to fulfill what was written about him, and we should too. He lived, he demonstrated what this word said, and he summed it up with the way he lived his life. He says, you can sum it all up in the commandment to love. He loved with his life, and he told us what the commandment was with his lips. He taught us from the scriptures, it says, as was his custom. When he would go into the synagogue to read, he pulled out the scroll of Isaiah. He read from the scriptures. He quoted the scriptures. He lived by the scriptures, and we should too. He overcome the devil with the scriptures when he went into the wilderness the devil was trying to confuse him throw stinking thinking his way 
It's exactly what he does to us. But some of us are like, well, I guess, I don't know. It sounds good to me. I don't know. I, I, nobody told me. And they're probably holding the Bible when it says, no. But Jesus said, no, it is written. He knew what it said. He was prepared for the stinking thinking coming his way. And he shut the devil down. He used the word of God like a sword to slice up his enemy. And you should too. But you got to know what it says. And don't fall for the deceptiveness and the lies of the enemy. The word sets us free from all that. Jesus said in John 8, 31, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. That's what makes us disciples. That's what we've been on another series on Sundays about being disciples. But you can't truly be his disciple if you don't keep his word. If his word isn't first place, he says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And see, so we long to be free. We don't want to be entangled in the affairs of this life. We don't want to be dragged down by all these things. We want to be free. But if somebody can talk you out of something, it'll be somebody else that can talk you into it. But when you know the word of God, it eliminates all that useless discussions. You know the truth. And it'll set you free. Somebody come to you with a lie, you ain't got to sit and argue with them. I'm sorry, brother, but the word says this. Ends those arguments quickly. They ain't got to believe it, but you know it. Because it's in you. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and intentions. Wow. This does? That just looks like some words on a page to me. The Bible does say it's foolishness to the unbeliever. Who can know the thoughts of God? Who can know the, the things of God unless they have the Spirit of God. If you're a born-again believer, this, this book ain't dead to you. This ain't dusty. Shouldn't be. It is alive to you. Every time you read it, I've read through this thing so many times, I can't, can't tell you. But, but every time I open it up, it's just as fresh and just alive. And he speaks to me every time when he needs to. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he's the one to whom we're all accountable. So, the word gets down in there. He, he knows even what you're thinking. So, if you've been trying to deceive God, you're just deceiving yourself. If you're just playing religion, or if you're, 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 you've got places in your heart that you're not honest with God about, you think he's not watching or whatever, no, no, he, he sees all that. There's nowhere we can go to hide from his spirit. The best thing you can do is be honest with God. That is the first step towards your freedom. And then he'll be honest with you. If you'll be honest, what you, he'll be honest with you. Well, he's always honest. <laughs> the word gives us faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Speak it out. Hear yourself say it. Build faith to move mountains out of your life. To see miracles. 
to be more than an overcomer in Christ. The Word gives us faith. It's milk for the little babies, but it's also meat for the full-grown men. On the surface, a three-year-old could understand it. But the wisest of the wise have never plumbed its depths, never gotten to the end of the richest of its glory, the richness of its Mm. there goes that brain freeze again alright we are cleansed by the word Ephesians 5.25 says husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it okay so he's talking about Christ how much he loved the church he gave his life that he may sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word He's saying, husbands, love your wives just like Jesus loved the church. And he loved, his, loved them so much that he gave his life for the church. And husbands, make sure that the word of God is read in your home. That it's understood that your children grow up learning this word of God. That they see you reading it. They see it valuable to you. So that they'll say, well, you know, he tells me to do it, but he don't do it. No, that's not right. They need to see daddy. They need to see mama spending time in this word because it'll wash them clean. That's what we're talking about, stinking thinking. We got, what, what happens when something gets stinky? It needs to be washed out. And this, we, we got all this stinking thinking, all these wrong thoughts and ideas that we got from the world, and then we put this in, it goes in there, the, the word gets in there, and it washes away. The stinking thinking. Verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, having not spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it may be holy and without blemish. And see, look, without holiness, no man's going to see God. And without the word of God, you're not going to be holy. I think I'm preaching to the choir here. You know, I guess at least four times a year I probably preach a message just on the importance of the Bible, the reliability of the Bible, how we need it, just what I'm doing here tonight, no different. And sometimes it amazes me to still see that full-grown people that, I don't want to say they're full-grown Christians, but, but people that come to church are not cracking their Bibles. But I can't get into that. I don't hurt nobody's feelings. But we're corrected by the word. We're corrected. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong with our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. The word of God corrects us. You say, what's wrong with me? This will show you. <laughs> it will always lead, point you to the truth. You know, if you have a, you're having problems having peace in your life, look up peace scriptures. Google it. Let me give you a piece of advice. You need to know something about something, say peace. 
Go on Google, type Bible, and then put peace. That Bible word weeds out all, I don't know if I should say this aloud, the devil might get wind of it. But it weeds out all the worldly stuff pretty much, all the false stuff. And so most of the, the, the Christian stuff will come to the top if you type the word Bible in there. Say Bible, and then, I didn't mean it, just type Bible. He, he's like a parrot. Yeah, it's easy preaching these days. All I got to do is Google it, you know. <laughs> it corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do it right. The Word keeps us from being so stupid. So susceptible to error. In Acts 17, 11, the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. See, they were hungry for the things of God. And then it says they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. See, these were new baby Christians. They're hearing a message, and they're not just going to take it at face value. Wait, what if this man's coming in here lying to us? So they would write down what he says and then go search the scriptures to make sure it was right. That's how careful they were to make sure that what they were hearing is truth. And, that's, and where did they turn? The Word of God, because they knew that's where the truth was. Are you confused about your purpose? Are you just kind of, I don't know what job I'm supposed to take. I just don't feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. This, this, this. And Jesus is pointing you tonight to His Word. Well, Pastor, I don't know what that's going to do. I get in there and, it, you know, it talks about Jesus healing the sick or whatever, but I'm not talking about sick. I'm talking about my job or, or I'm talking about my purpose or whatever. After Jesus' resurrection, there were two disciples that saw him die, and they were like, man, we thought he was the Messiah. And they headed off on the road to Emmaus. They, they headed off on the road to Emmaus. They're, and so Jesus, he's freshly up out of the grave, just got resurrected. First thing he does is chase these guys down. That's how much he cares about two lost sheep that are wandering away from the fold. He left the big city of Jerusalem, just came up out of the tomb. I, I imagine he could have used a little bit of rest after being on the cross that day, or a day before, a couple days before. Okay, but now he's chasing two wayward guys down who have lost their way. And what does he do? He points them to the scriptures. So who am I as a preacher up here to, to, to tell you anything different? If you have lost your way, go to the scriptures. Read until you get your answer. You say, God, show me where to go. In Luke 4, uh, 24, 45, as he was walking along with them, they invited him in to eat supper with him. They didn't recognize him because he hid himself. But then as they were eating, it says, then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. See, that's how Jesus communicates. He relies on the scriptures. He wanted them to see the truth through the scriptures. 
Don't you remember where it says that I must be risen on the third day? There's power in the word. A lot of books can inform, but there's only one miraculous book that can transform. There's only one book with that much power, the power of God. John 6, 63 says the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. He says, and the very words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And in those words is where we find God himself. What do you mean? I didn't see him in there. I Wait a minute, I got a picture here. Is this him? No. John 1.14 says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. In John 1.1 it says that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and God was the Word. And then in John 1.14 it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It's calling Jesus, obviously calling Jesus the Word of God. What are you saying? Jesus is this book? No, but I'm saying this is the mind of Jesus. And you can't separate a person's mind from them. You are what you think. And so Jesus wrote this letter with his thoughts and revealed himself. His chosen way to reveal himself to the word, to the world, through the word. And it says the as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And these pages are dripping with grace and truth. Why wouldn't you fall in love with them? If there was one thing I could take to a desert island, it wouldn't be a pack of weenies, it would be this. I just have to starve to death physically before I starve to death spiritually. I would have to have this word. Although I've hidden it in my heart and I probably could get by without a physical copy. But, but that's how important this thing is. It is your life. The Bible says keep your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the author of life. He's the author of truth. He is revealed himself in the words and the pages of Scripture. Send His Spirit into our hearts to keep us on track to that. The Holy Spirit, the power of God, the same power to raise Jesus from the dead is in your mortal body, and He is always going to point you back to Scripture. He will never lead you down some weird, wacky path. The Holy Spirit leads you back to the written Word of God. John 14, 26, Jesus says, When my Father sends the Advocate, my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of what I have told you. And everything Jesus said is written down right here. And He will point you to that to remind you. Philippians 4, 6, let's turn there. I'm on a race against time. Like I said, some of you guys hear this three or four times a year and you're, I don't know why 
That's probably one of the most frustrating things as a pastor. Why you would have to beg somebody to read the Word of God in the church as a Christian. <laughs> Why they turn you off when you, when you talk about the importance of the Word of God. Philippians 4, 6. Apostle Paul, speaking to the Philippians, he says, don't worry about anything. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Boy, that's easier said than done. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. That's where you drop those worries off. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Go on and thank Him now for what He's going to do because that's what faith does. Then you will experience God's peace. And that's got to be a better peace. You know why? Because Jesus says, the peace I leave is not as the world leaves. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can even understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. One of the things that Brother Gary always harped on about how not to backslide. Three things. Pray without ceasing, worship with your life, and live in the Word. And that's what it's saying here, to live in Christ Jesus. To live in this word, to make this first place in your life, to get up and live and read it and, and soak it in. You're living in Christ Jesus because he is the word of God. You're in him positionally in heaven right now. We're in Christ Jesus, high above, far above all principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness. We're up in heaven right now. We're seated with Christ. But that's positionally. We can't feel that right now. And one day that'll change. But what we can do while we're down here is we can immerse ourselves in Christ Jesus. He is the Word of God. And now, brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Woo. Fix those thinking, thinking thoughts. Fix them. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. How deceived would we have to be to ignore this book? How deceived is the church, is a Christian who has this on his shelf somewhere, collecting dust. How deceived are we as a church when this is not first place in our life? When there are people over in China that would sell everything they had for two pages out of this. Who would give their life that somebody in their family might have a page of this. How does, why are we so deceived? I'll tell you. Because the devil's always going to come after the thing 
that would do you the most good. And he has done a good job in deceiving people, thinking that all I got to do is hear the preacher on Sunday. He'll tell me. Do you want me to live your relationship with Jesus? Is that what you're saying? That must be stupid. No, no. You got to live your own relationship with Jesus. I can't do it for you. I can encourage you to. We argue against our own instruction manual. This is how you build your life. You're wondering why you got extra screws and, and you're all ganked up and stuff and you're not, it's not working out the way you thought it would or should. I was going to show you that note. I showed it to you in some other sermon not too long ago, but y'all remember that note I pulled out of my billfold? I didn't bring my billfold on there. Y'all remember? Yeah, you remember? I was looking at it again today. It said February 20th, 1992. Some of y'all wasn't even close to being born back then. That's a long time ago. This Monday, also, besides being Cedric's birthday, it's me and Angie's anniversary. And we'll be have been married 24 years. But before we were married, we was lubby-dubby. We're still lovey-dovey, don't worry. But when we was, we was so lovey-dovey. Where was that come from? <clears throat> okay, that's something that I shouldn't say? Is that from a song I shouldn't quote? It's just rolling around in there, stinking, thinking. All right, but we were lovey-dovey. And I couldn't stand to be away from her, but we, I had this uh, family reunion I had to go to, and for some reason she had to work and couldn't go. And I didn't want to go. But I went, and we went, we went out on this boat out in the middle of the ocean or whatever, and uh, I got my suitcase, and I opened it up to put on some different shorts or something, and there was this little note in there. And she said, I just wanted to say again and again, I love you, and so-so, and you know, all these little sweet things. And, and I was so enamored, I put that in my billfold, and it's still in my billfold here in 2018. And look, that thing is crinkled up. You can barely read it, and I had to be very delicate to open it up now. It's pink now. I don't know how it turned pink, but all the times my billfold got wet or something, it bled the ink or whatever was in my billfold. It's pink, and it's, it's all crusty, and, and you can barely make it out anymore. But I don't know something about it. I, just, I still carry it with me. And I thought, I ought to rewrite that so I, don't, you know, I can have a fresh copy. But do you realize that this word of God came down from ancient, ancient manuscripts? I'm talking some of them 6,000 years old. They think the book of Job is probably close to 6,000 years old. And it was assembled into 66 books, and I can't remember how many writers of the Bible. I didn't study all my notes on, on the details. But it was assembled, and it was handwritten. Back when they didn't have a big, you know, they had quills and stuff. I don't know what they had. And they were writing on leather stuff. I don't know what they, they had scrolls and all these things. Parchments. 
And they had to copy it over and over. And they go all the way back to the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, 2,000 years ago and beyond. And they find copies of scriptures that people have copied. It was so important that it be passed down. And it was translated so many times out of the original Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic into English, into Chinese, into almost every language in the world. And people have worked and slaved over this Word of God. And died. You're right. How many people have died for this Word of God? Maybe these pages are really stained pink. Took a lot to get them here so that we could fill the dollar store with them. And that's about what it means to a lot of people these days. Should I buy this toothbrush or I could get a Bible? I don't know. <laughs> with my last dollar. It's really insulting to me to see a Bible for a dollar. Everything else in the world, I want it cheap, but I want to see Bibles worth about a thousand bucks at least. Because it's insulting. Almost. But do you know what, what it took to bring you this word, this love letter? Now, Angie's love letter means a lot to me. And it gets me through a few days down here on the earth. But this is going to get me through a through few billion years in heaven. And the words, so precious. Get a version of the Bible you can understand. Because it's not only been translated into English, it's been translated out of old English, if that bothers you. Because Chris, Christians, Christians will have 10,000 reasons why they don't read the Word of God. And they'll say, well, I don't understand old English. Okay, well, there's probably been 50 English translations since then. That's an old excuse. You're going to have to come up with a new one. <laughs> It's got to be a priority in your life. As a Christian, it's got to be real to you. A lot of carnal Christians, they tell the God's abundant life, they say, hit the road! When they need to be telling their stinking thinking, hit the road! I never saw Papa crack his Bible. I don't know if he had one. There's a difference in being an usher Any questions on how to get started reading your word? I need to close it down. Huh? You can start at Genesis. There, she says there's good Bible apps if, if, if you don't like carrying around a hard copy of a Bible with you or, or you know, you're just addicted to your phone or whatever. What's that Bible app that everybody's on? What, what's that one you're on, Chad? version.
Yeah. Yeah, there's so many tools out there on the internet now. That, you know, however you want to read it. If you want to read it in chronological order, if you want to read it in, you know, the standard way, you know, starting with Genesis on through to Revelations. But just read it. Right now, media. Yeah, there's all kind of websites with different preachers. On this Bible U version, they, they have uh, devotionals you can read. They have uh, about 12, 15 different versions of the Bible you can read your Bible in. You can go to wherever you want on your phone or whatever. Um, there's a devotionals if you're going through hard times, you know, if you're losing your hair and, you, and you're depressed or. Or what, whatever, whatever little thing that's hmm? Bible Gateway. Yeah, that's what I use when I put my messages together. I use Bible Gateway, and you can use the different versions, and that's the that's the Bibles I go to 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 quickly put up there. You know, the abbreviations for John is J N, Mark M K whatever, I, I found all the fast ways to get to the scriptures. And if you don't know, you, you can remember a piece of scripture. You know, you may be saying, keep my heart and mind in Christ Jesus, but I can't remember where it's at. And you just put that piece in there, it'll take you to it. Word search. Man, we have it easy today. But the, the main thing is, is understand what this is. That's the main thing. You can have all the tools in the world, but, you know, if it means nothing to you, you're, you're not going to use it. But I hope I've stirred you tonight. You're stinking thinking, you can stay there. But that's not the abundant life. That's not the life of a Christian. That's not the overcoming, the overachieving life that God has called us to. And, and to get there, the word has to be real to you. Not just on, not just read to you, but ingested by you. That's, you have to be in Christ Jesus. In the word for yourself. Amen? Any any final things you'd like to say? Charles Spurgeon commentaries. If if you don't understand the passage, uh, you know there's all kind of commentaries. You can go and look up the Greek and Hebrew words through the Strong's Concordance. All these tools are at your disposal. And so, what is it? Blue level? Blue letter. Blue letter Bible, okay. Well, anyway, that or you could get one of them dollar store Bibles and you'll be just fine. I'm serious. Yeah. If anybody doesn't have a Bible, see me, we'll, we'll go to lunch and we'll stop by the dollar store on our way back. Oh, if I got a bite, I like it. <laughs> I'm not buying me no dollar bottle. No. I love y'all. Thank you for being patient with me tonight. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. 
We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.